0: We're gonna get the call here. We're
1: getting the- We are live, Rangers and overall hockey fans. Thank you guys so much for chiming in. This is Rangers Review, episode 47 on the season and total throughout uh, the episode so far for myself, Wardy, and my co host, that being a stop boy Steven. In today's episode, this will be the final episode until after the All Star break. The Rangers have a couple weeks off now coming up, of course, but we'll be going over the past four games for the Rangers, how they fared in those giving you a quick breakdown on each of those past four games, including the Henrik Lundqvist retirement night, that being the number 30 retirement, which was fantastic other than the game. And then we'll be taking a look at, of course, some key performances, maybe some underperformances during this stretch and overall, what we can expect for the Rangers heading into now the all-star break and plenty more. So, If you guys are listening, wherever you get your podcasts, thank you guys so much for being here. If You're watching live on YouTube. Thank you guys so much for being here as well. If you guys don't know, if you watch us live on YouTube on the Rangers Review channel, make sure to subscribe. We'll be taking your questions towards the end of every live stream. Uh, So, of course, make sure to hold your questions until the very end. Always appreciate. But, Stephen, how are you doing today, my friend?
0: Good, good. Good for some reason. It's uh. Yeah,
1: I said to you. I don't know. I, I don't know why. I I'm just I'm out of sorts today. It's one of those days. Know.
0: It's uh you know it's just busy with work. Um, yep. but I am looking forward to uh, my trip in six weeks. No, six weeks. Is it six weeks? No, four weeks. and yeah, you're coming weeks. back to the states soon, right? Yeah, I'm flying to New York on Saturday, March fourth, um, and then I'm on to Minnesota on Monday, the sixth watching the Rangers in Minnesota against the wild.
1: I'm really uh, curious to see what that experience is going to be like for you. So make sure mm-hmm. to relay that to us, you oh, know, definitely,
0: definitely. And then on Wednesday, we fly to St. Louis, uh, watching the Rangers there. And then we are going to rent a car and drive back North to Dubuque to see the Dubuque fighting saints of the USHL, uh, the Iowa wild, which is the Minnesota wilds minor league team in the AHL um have to make a quick pit stop at the Field of Dreams set because otherwise my fiance will kill me.
1: Um glad that at least someone in that relationship has taste. Oh, <laughs> my pro oh, baseball fans so... over here. <laughs>
0: no, she's a huge baseball fan and you know, she wants to she wants to throw and catch a ball at like the Field of Dreams so um we'll be passing it on our way to Des Moines so definitely uh pulling over the car there. Um and then I think on Sunday, Sunday would be the 13th, uh, March 13th. Fly back to New York, spend a week in New York, and then back to Dublin. So I might be able to catch a Rangers game in New York uh, that second week I'm there. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that trip. It's uh, Time's flown. I, I only came back on December 5th, uh, but it feels like it's been four or five months since I've been there. So um, yeah, uh, other than that, you know, I'm just... I'm yeah, like I said, I'm a bit tired, but uh, I did, got my booster shot today, so that might be the reason. I don't know. Oh, yeah, um, I'm sure
1: that that'll probably do it.
0: Yeah, so I'm all cleared up for that uh, for that flight in four weeks. But yeah, looking forward to that. looking forward to the all-star game. Um, just a skills competition. I've never really watched the game itself, but um unfortunate that Zabana Jet refuses to go, and then Fox ends up injured, so we only have one player going.
1: But, can we t- can we just before we get into the quick recaps of the past four games sure. in which I of course keep the title because I had the proper amount of goals I had the, the less you had the you had the over I had the under so I'm gonna keep that belt for another yeah, week if you guys watch I- the episodes you know the drill I went for three and one Steven thought the Rangers are gonna go four and 0 that one, I'm time, one sure.
0: time I'm going all in on this team and they let me down
1: I complete. know that's why you got to be very strategic when you pick having a yeah. zero. And that column, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I'll keep it for the next couple of weeks. It's going to sit nice and pretty, you know, by my desk, you know, even though I don't physically yeah, have it. what
0: you wanted to talk about.
1: I, I will get to what I wanted to talk about. And that was the all-star break just for a second. How, yeah, it is unfortunate that Jad won't be in attendance, but this is something that obviously has become a reoccurring theme in recent years for top players that just, if they have the option to not show up, a lot of them are not going to show up. And I know that there's a huge divide in the fans of the NHL and people understanding it, being forced, saying, "Okay, no, I don't want you to potentially get hurt at all. Like, look, if this can eliminate any risk and you just want to take some downtime, maybe you're going to go by the beach for, you know, a week or so during that break. By all means, do it. We want playoffs. We want you to be ready to go when it matters most, not during a simple like skills competition, you know, a lousy all-star game that doesn't have nearly as much meaning as what it did a decade ago, right? Mm -hmm. But then you have the other fans that are really upset because, you know, they take pride in this all-star break because it's for the fans at the end of the day. And they are really upset when their favorite players that are supposed to be going don't show up. And I understand both perspectives completely, but I will say I do tend to find myself a little bit more on the pro player side as someone who selfish who selfishly wants to make sure that one, everyone's healthy no matter what, and two, everyone's fresh. You know, I, I think it's so important, especially for hockey players that go through so much wear and tear throughout a normal A two game season, to have that kind of break. And if they're eliminated with that type of break because of this, you know, all-star break, I should say, by going to the game or going to skills. I can perfectly understand why they don't want to do it and think it's best for them to kind of just wind down with their family mm-hmm. um, and whatever it may be. So, again, I understand both sides completely. I personally find myself a little bit more on the pro player side because I'm you know, i also someone that hasn't had the all-star game experience as a fan. I've never been in attendance before. I think that maybe I'd be swayed a little bit if I do get to do that at some point in my lifetime. But uh, all in all, I just I know it's a little bit of a debate depending on who you talk to when you're a hockey fan, but that's kind of my stance. So, Stephen, what's your quick stance on that before we get into the last couple games for the Rangers?
0: Look, I don't really care about the All-Star game. You know, I think the All-Star game is is just for kids and for new fans to the sport. The Like, real diehard fans are not going to tune in on a Saturday towards the All-Star game. If you enjoy it, great. Enjoy it. You know, it's a lot of fun. My biggest gripe is that the New York Rangers actively pushed for fans to vote for Mika Zibanejad to join the
1: All-Star Game. For him just to say, no, I'm not doing it.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. When players opt <laughs> out of the All-Star Game, they, they're, they're suspended for one game. So basically the team asked us to vote for Zibanejad to be suspended for one game. I will say... That's, when... my, that's my issue. If you were going to ask your fans to vote for someone, ask the player first.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a great thing. No. I will say we don't know the context of it, however. Is this no, something it where maybe matter, Mika init- initially thought, you know, if I get in, that'd be awesome, I'll go. Maybe yeah, something happened last the minute that changes this mind. Me. So the
0: context is irrelevant. The Rangers should have asked, you know, we wanna we wanna do this thing on social media to have you voted into the all-star game. We just want to make sure that you want to go. Because if you're not gonna go, then like I said, we basically voted for zabanja to be suspended for a game.
1: No, no, no. I get what you're saying. My point is, is that the context is important because maybe there is a scenario. Not that I think this is likely, but maybe they did approach that with him, and initially he was in favor of it, and then halfway through, he changed his mind for one reason or another. i don't know. I'm maybe, if that's maybe, the case, then okay, I can't really blame the Rangers on that front then.
0: Maybe the one-game suspension doesn't count for players that were voted in with like the last man in vote. Maybe, I don't know. I but don't know. We're going to find out. Would, we're gonna find out, but listen, the All Star Game—it's gonna be—it's gonna be fun. If you're into it, go watch it. Chris Kreider is gonna be there.
1: Um, I'll be more into the skills, the skills
0: competition. Like, skills competition is always fun.
1: Yeah. You know, you
0: have the hardest shot, you have the relay, you have the fastest skater, you have the the, the breakaway challenge, um, and you know, if it, the like I said, you know, that I'll watch the skills competition. The All Star Game itself,
1: um, I don't really care about because. It's just yeah. not what it used to be, especially when you well, don't even get to properly I, I have get to in the that people that should be there. I'd say the last of years of
0: it years has gotten better with the division structure mm. where you have the divisions play each other. I just, I just wish it wasn't three on three.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I, if it was like a normal format, I would yeah. be more on board with it. I don't like the fact but, that it's like OT style.
0: The biggest problem with the All-Star game is that it has this stupid rule that every team needs to be represented.
1: Yeah. No, that's that's by far the biggest one. Because if it and wasn't then, that case, Igor is they 1,000% in. How do you not have the best goaltender in the AHL in the All-Star game?
0: Listen, um, Igor Shostjorkin is going to go all the way in Gretzky on this league and go, listen, you want me to me the All-Star game? I'll just win the Vezina instead. Yeah. The same way Gretzky was not eligible for the Calder, and he was like, okay, so, uh, so I cannot win the Calder. Fine. I'll win the MVP instead.
1: Um, Even though we, you could also make the argument that Igor isn't just shooting for the Vezina right now. He has he has an eight point lead ahead of the next goaltender in the AHL when it comes to I believe it's save percentage. This man is is pushing quite literally for the heart. Even though he's not going to get it, he's, he's at bigger. that level right now.
0: <laughs> Look, he should win the Vezina without a doubt. However, there are some other morons who vote for this, so yeah, there's a pretty good chance that it's going to be Vasilevsky, because when it comes to voting in the NHL when it comes to awards when it comes to voting, nine out of ten times it's it's not going to the player who deserves it but it it's it's a it's a sympathy not a sympathy vote what's the word I'm looking for here um a uh, um yeah, sort of like a legacy vote. You know, like the Norris Trophy, Hedman's going Hedman's to get votes. Hedman got votes last year, and he had a bad season. Or oh, maybe not bad, but he did. Fox, he wasn't a,
1: when they updated the votes, I, I want to say over the past two weeks, he was like fourth.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Hedman, Hedman being top three last season was a sham. He was not a top 10 defenseman in the league last season. No. But he, but he
1: got it based on his, uh, you know, based on his. Yeah, well, yeah, he's, he's done already. Or, it's it's hard it's hard to get clear of that when you've already I'm trying had great right
0: word. I'm sorry I'm trying to I'm blanking on the word here I'm not like reputation
1: Yes. reputation yes
0: a lot of these votes are based on reputation and Vasin uh, Vasileski is going to get a lot of votes based on reputation he will but it should be Sheshorky hands down the guy is the best goalie in the league and he should be he should be an MVP finalist he is he's the reason the Rangers are in a playoff
1: spot absolutely i will counter that he is not the only reason uh, because there was an obnoxious article that came out. I believe it was yesterday from a ESPN writer. I don't even know the guy's name. I've I've never enjoyed this man because he's oh, had he, more. He ho- writes
0: about hockey now. Yeah, I forgot about
1: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no he he's wrote about the NHL like that's what he's normally known for. Greg something, but you know he's oh, I, I've we, never we, I, we, yeah yeah I, I've never I've never been infatuated with that man. And he came out with what a piece talking about like there was one specific executive or someone like that how. The Rangers are nothing without Igor. Like, what? When I, I don't disagree with the notion that Igor is by far the biggest backbone for this team. But to not even acknowledge your former Norris winner, that's on pace to potentially be a Norris winner again this year, and Adam Fox, and the contributions of a career year by Chris Kreider, things like that, in my mind, you know, are like, okay, it's okay to be a casual and just be a stat merchant by just looking at the goaltending numbers and nothing further. But you know, everyone has their reasons, I guess
0: yeah but look apparently in this league you can be the MVP when one of the best players in the league plays on your team like if you ask me who is the MVP, my vote would go to the guy who has the most value to his team if you take that player away, they are a far worse team yep. if you take if you take Leon Drysidel away from the Edmonton Oilers, they still have Connor McDavid and vice versa. But Carter McDavid and Leon Drysider are always top five in MVP voting. Absolutely. So if those can get MVP votes, then Sheshtyorkin should be getting MVP votes. Yes, Fox is 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 on another level this year, and he should win another Norris. He's not going to because reputation votes, and I think it's going to go to Kael McCarr because Kill McCarr has the Calder, and Kael McCarr is a fourth overall pick, and Kill McCarr scores goals, even though none of that should matter. But I think it's going to be Kael McCarr this year.
1: Yeah, Kale's, Kale's in the lead right now and I, and look I love McCarr. It is so not the he, matter of me like thinking that yeah. he's not deserving. It's just yeah. the fact that when you look at defensive numbers, McCarr is still not on the same level as Fox. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. And you and know? last season the voters actually understood this because Fox was better defensively than Kale
1: McCarr. Yes. But if Kale McCarr
0: stays healthy and he only misses 5 games in total that he already missed, I think he's going to win the Norris. The trophy that I really want for the Rangers though. Because I've I've seen it I've seen a Ranger win the Norris I've seen a Ranger win the Vezina You know what trophy I want for for an individual Ranger this year? The Rocket Richard. Chris Kreider leads the league in goals with
1: 33. A crazy mofo. Look,
0: well, I was joking earlier today that Chris Kreider always stopped scoring at 28, so his AAV would be low on his next contract. <laughs> <laughs> Implying that he did it on purpose, of course. He Could you
1: imagine if Kreider wasn't due for a new contract until uh, after the season? If, Holy Kreider shit. This, if
0: Kreider had this season in his final year of his last contract, the,
1: one, I don't see the Rangers bringing back, given nope. his price point, and nope. two, whoever would sign him, oh my goodness, that that thing would be ridiculous. Yeah. Like you
0: know who, who Kreider? Kreider reminds me of the guy who won the Rocket. Rochard in
1: 2006. No, no. No. No, why are why are you comparing him to him? You know who I'm talking about, right? Is it is it a certain player from the San Jose Sharks?
0: Yeah, yeah Jonathan Chicho. Uh, yes, why
1: would you even because that is yes, something that's so disrespectful to Christ. No, I'm
0: not <laughs> saying he's he's the same caliber player as Jonathan Chicho. I'm just saying this is such an outlier of a season in terms of goal scoring.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And look, he's on
0: pace for 57 goals. 57.
1: No, he's. This is literally. I said it last episode, and I'll continue saying it until I'm proven otherwise. This is his Adam Graves year. On yep. so many, there's yep. so many similarities. That's a crazy guy right, right. with his pace. Let's not
0: call it a Jonathan Cheechoo year. Let's call it yeah. an Adam. Graves
1: year. Yeah, it's yeah, an Adam Graves year. I think that's a very well, respectable way of putting it.
0: The guy who gets two power play goals yesterday. I know. Steven,
1: Steven, we got to oh, get into the game.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. But I just want to go over Kreider's numbers first.
1: Okay.
0: He now has 17 power play goals in 47 games.
1: I know. It's kind of a big deal. He's on pace for 27
0: power play goals.
1: The, be Rangers,
0: the, the Rangers record for most in the season was Jager in 2006 with 24. The all-time record for power play goals in a single season was Tim Kerr in 1986 with 34.
1: Wow, I no, don't. Crider. I think I don't think Kreider is going to get like all time. Ta- I think Kreider is going to loom yeah. right around Yager. Yeah. I think that's how his season's going to finish.
0: So if Kreider finishes with twenty seven, right, he ties uh, Mike Bossy, Phil Esposito, Brett Hull, Alex McGillney, and Ilya Kovalchuk for twelfth all time for in power for power play goals in a single season.
1: Is that crazy just to see Kreid's name in consideration with those guys?
0: <laughs> and then, and then the players ahead of him were—you know—it's—it's it's Michael Goulet, Dave Andrichuk, Brett Hull, Joe Newandike, Mario Lemieux, and then Tim Kerr. Tim Kerr is has the record for most power play goals in a single season for the Philadelphia Flyers in 1985-86. Wow,
1: that's more of an anomaly than what Kreider's doing. That,
0: that's the biggest anomaly. That, yeah, Kreider's not going to be the biggest anomaly unless unless he passes Tim Kerr on that list. But Chris Kreider's doing everything. He had, uh, you know, this was his seventh career multi-power play goal game. Um, and by by doing that, he I think he ranks fourth. Let me look this up because I, I tweeted earlier. Yeah, Chris Kreider ranks fourth all-time tied with Andy Hibenton. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, the only three players that have more multi-power play goal games as a Ranger: Camille Henry with 11, and then Mika Zibanejad and Phil Esposito with nine. Oh wow! So Zibanejad and Kreider are doing something that that has rarely been seen on the Rangers, and the Rangers are an organization that are that are going to be 96 years old at the end of this season. It's it's absolutely fascinating what we're seeing this season. Um, the, the Rangers power play. 28.8% uh is, is the all-time record in a single season and 77-78. Currently, this season, the Rangers is their second best power play year ever. They're at 24 twenty four yeah, I was twenty-five point 9, nine. Yep. 25.9% since yeah. they started tracking uh power play uh power play success or power play rankings, power play percentages. Second best season by the Rangers in, uh, in yeah, in a single season on the power play. So it's we're looking
1: refreshing to have a good power play. I will say yeah, that
0: one. Yeah, we're looking at something great here. But um, yeah, that was my uh, my my quick minute on Kreider. It's just it's unbelievable what the guy's been showing us, and he's not stopping. So let's go into the recaps. And then yeah, we'll
1: no, look, Steven, take it away. Let's start with the game that the Rangers, by all accounts should have won and i i unfortunately look at this game as a uh another view of some poor goaltending mm-hmm. as one of so the factors. worst
0: thing this team can have is a two-goal lead apparently because
1: um, just a, you know in general yeah if you look at the yeah. past week they yeah. have not fared yeah, well. well but we're in oh, yeah. columbus go ahead
0: in columbus uh rangers start off great you know uh minute 29 into the first period artemi panarin with his 12th of the season assisted by adam fox and ryan lindgren and then uh, three minutes later, Barkley Goudreau uh, doubles the lead, uh, assist by Braden Schneider. So that's an interesting one. Um,
1: and then Panarin with the secondary assist. That was Schneider's first NHL assist. And that
0: was his first assist, second point. So uh, yeah, uh, good on him. Uh, but after that, it went downhill fast. Uh, Rangers can see two quick goals in uh, in two minutes, 30 seconds. Uh, Nick Christ assisted by Lyon and Jenner. And then Jenner getting the equalizing goal on the power play, assisted by Worensky and Bjorkstrand. And they go into the first intermission tied at two after such a great start. And it really took everything out of this team. Like everything they had going the first couple of minutes it was just gone. Uh, second period didn't get much better. Sean Kurali um, puts the, uh, the Blue Jackets up 3-2, assisted by Domi and Wierenski. Uh Then Boone Jenner with the second goal of the game, assisted by Line A. And the Blue Jackets take a 4-2 lead into the second intermission. And then in the third period, Zibanejad with a 16th goal of the season, assisted by Panarin, who had a three-point game uh, in Columbus. Um, Panarin is – I'd probably have to look that up. I need to to invest some time. Oh, he is the
1: daddy of his former clubs.
0: Artemi Panarin is like the poster child of owning your former employers, yeah
1: and it's i think what's so funny about his pace against his former teams is the fact that he also had this pace against his future teams if you look at the yeah rangers, yeah, yeah yeah his first game at madison square garden like <laughs> he was just unstoppable yeah unbelievable uh
0: so yeah rangers uh, cut the lead back to 4-3 uh but then the rangers pull their goalie Sean Corrali with his 8th of the season on an empty net with Rarenski getting the
1: assist. This was a frustrating loss. They It was it was a frustrating loss. But listen, Braden
0: Schneider with two assists. Uh, you know, nice for him uh to get to get to get his multi-point game this early in his NHL career. Oh uh, uh, yeah, Panera, of course with three points.
1: Uh, and Rain- the Rangers Rangers have- did net one on the power play as did Columbus, so the power plays yeah. were working for both sides.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Georgiev gave up, uh, uh, four goals on, on, uh, on 18 shots. He just, uh, so he, he, it wasn't his best game, but look, he's a backup. I'm not going to expect him to play like Shostyorkin. Um, and we had some really good performances out of Georgiev when Shostyorkin was out with injury. So it's fair. I'm, I'm okay with him putting up a stinker. It's fine. Um, but yeah, the Rangers just after those first two goals, they were they were chasing the Blue Jackets all game long. Uh unfortunately, five three loss. Um, you know, dropping. The third period,
1: they 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 were dominating Columbus, yeah. though. Like, yeah. like second period, all Columbus. Third period, mm-hmm. all Rangers. Like the fact yeah. that the Rangers weren't able to fully come back in this one as well was so mm-hmm. frustrating and, about your game. Shots
0: on goal, thirty-six shots on goal for the Rangers, eighteen yep. for the Blue Jackets. We outshot them two to one. Uh, but this was one of those games where the quality of the shots was lacking, in my uh, from from what I remember. You know, yeah, they got they got some shots on goal, but they weren't really prime scoring chances. There, there um, was
1: plenty that were more from the outside.
0: Exactly, exactly. So it was more quantity than quality, but. You know, the Rangers fall 5-3 to the Blue Jackets. They fall to 28-12-4. And, um, and, yeah, then the next night was the night that everyone has been waiting for since a special ceremony was announced. Take it away. So, so,
1: so what was really interesting about this game, this being, of course, Lundqvist's big night, and I will say it was unfortunate how going into this game when we spoke. Uh, The previous week, how, you know, you thought the Rangers were going to lose because historically they're just not good Um, when it comes to, you know, anything of a special occasion, a special night that held true. It was pretty funny how it held true. I will say with Henrik Lundqvist being the biggest jinx of it all um, that we'll be getting into here in a minute. But I would just like to say
0: just just to chime in quickly. Go ahead. Is there a better way to honor Henrik Lundqvist by giving up a two goal (laughs) lead?
1: Uh, you're not you're not wrong there but ceremony wise everything was perfect. They hit the nail on the head whatever it could not have gone better. I was I was slightly concerned at one point I thought Kevin weeks might pass out. He looked a little overwhelmed when he was at the podium. I think that he was just really taking in the raw emotion of it all so I'm glad he was okay uh, but outside of that you know Henrik he surprisingly didn't cry apparently he cried before it happened. He was getting really emotional. Um, it was awesome seeing him, his family there, uh, all of the Rangers alumni, of course, and all the gifts were so cool. I love the fact that he was gifted a guitar by, you know, Dave Art that does his um, uh, yeah. helmets, usually, to do the custom himself from Sweden. Um, of course, the big Louis Vuitton chest, because why wouldn't Hank want something like that? And, and some wine from the team. That, that no, was No, cool.
0: you're no. Missing, you're missing my favorite gift.
1: What was your favorite gift?
0: Uh, so the equipment manager uh, oh
1: yes, yes yeah. yes the pu- uh, That was so damn impressive. The fact that they kept a puck yep. from every single one up. of his shutouts. Yeah. My goodness gracious, I don't yeah. know if they if this is something that they've always been building or if they really had to do digging online, I don't know how they made that happen. But that and also, of course, because the Rangers equipment manager, if I'm my memory is not mistaken, he is battling cancer right now, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he so is. obviously yeah. it was very emotional for him. And I, yeah. I, I'm praying that he's gonna be okay. He's been with the Rangers a long time, just you I know, a lot of, of the other Rangers equipment um people, yeah, and also time. medically this um time. with uh what's what's the one gentleman's name that I'm forgetting that helps out medically? He's been with the Rangers for decades. Jim Ramsey. Yes, 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 Jim Ramsey, you know, all that core group. Love them all to death, but yeah, yeah you could no, see. Hank got emotional
0: frame, there. And, and maybe this is just me as a, as a as a collector of pucks, but when I saw that frame, that 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 gave me goosebumps. That was such a that was such a beautiful gift. Yeah. You
1: know, no, that's sick. Uh,
0: a five hundred thousand dollars sports car cannot compete with that gift because it's
1: it's it's. Hank already has a five hundred thousand dollars sports know, car. That's exactly.
0: That's <laughs> what that gift represents. You know, like you yeah. said, the effort that had to go into that.
1: And the sentiment more than I, this is not something the that you can replace, yeah. you know. The
0: memories and and I looked up pictures of the ceremony where they had a picture of this frame, and I was I was looking at all these pucks and all these different designs of pucks over the years, and it was beautiful. It was that was my favorite gift off the night.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely it was it was a thing of beauty, it really was. Yeah. But just overall the entire ceremony, finally seeing Hank a part of this Ranger alumni. Not that he wasn't already, but just seeing him yeah. kind of, you know, hand in hand with all the Ranger One sad now. moment, though.
0: One sad moment. This was the first retirement night without Rod Gilbert.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's very true. Yeah. yeah, and of course, rest in peace to yeah. Rod. And it, it is upsetting, obviously, but, um, he, you know, he's looking down, of course, and mm-hmm. seeing, you know, that he's able – uh, to have Henrik, you know, alongside him, you know, in MSG forever, which is an amazing thing. And unfortunately, you know, when you look at that ceremony, it was fantastic. But after that, the Rangers got off to that horrid two-goal lead. That was something that has bit them in the ass for a little bit now. And look, starting off again, Barkley Goudreau, look, might I make something very fun for you. Going into this game, I went on DraftKings Sportsbook and I did a uh, a four-pick parlay. And I had... Barkley Goudreau scoring, Chris Kreider scoring, Matt Sucarello scoring, and Kirill Caprizov. And if I hit all those four, and you it's funny how the one man that did not score was probably the guy a, you, realistic the guy the yes. yes. If I hit, I would have won 900 bucks for only a $10 bet. So wow. because I knew Zouk was scoring. There was like if that was inevitable. Go Goudreau, right. I, Goudreau I picked solely because of the fact that he was Flying all over the place against Columbus, I'm like, I like his odds of doing well. And Kreider's just an easy lock, so it. I'm not, I'm not breaking his sweat over it. It was just funny how I, I was like, this is my, you know, this is what I get for choosing that anyone that oh. isn't a Ranger is going to score in this game. But the only Gougie goal scored. you were
0: missing. Was scored by by Frederick goudreau
1: <laughs> or or Fiala. I did or debate Fiala. on Fiala a little bit. Um, oh, Fiala! Fiala's having a good season, by the way. Yeah, anyway. he is very underrated good player. Game. I've always liked Fiala back when he was with Nashville. But either way, goudreau gets the first goals, tenth of the season, assisted by Truba and Strom. Chris Kreider does what Chris Kreider does, gets a nice goal in front, right in the crease, thirty-first of the year, assisted by Truba and The Rangers get off to two-goal lead. Then the damn second period begins. Kevin Fiala gets a nice shot off his 12th of the year, assisted by Ryan Hartman, who has really come around and went full circle in his career. Started hot in his career with the Chicago Blackhawks, bounced around a bit, didn't do too well. Now he's in a top six role with the uh, with the Minnesota Wild, and he's been thriving with them. He's been their lean goal scorer going into this game, believe it or not, assisted by also by Jordy Ben, Jamie Ben's brother. And then the second goal, And both these goals happened when Henrik Lundqvist was speaking in the booth, of course, with Sam and Joe. And it was funny because Zouk gets the puck on the power play, and I I knew he was scoring right away. And Hank says, oh, don't let this guy score. And he just rips one from the point. (laughs) His 13th of the year to tie it up to two. Assisted by Caprizo and Boldy. Boldy's fourth apple this season. Boldy, of course, was called up recently uh, for Minnesota. Former first-round pick a couple years ago. That has a very promising future. And then the third period, the man who missed on a penalty shot because he he didn't have any mitts there, and Igor read him like, no tomorrow, did get himself a nice goal, no less, that being Frederick Goudreau, his third of the year, assisted by Fiala and Zuccarello, and that's all she wrote. The Rangers were in a very controversial fashion right at the end of the game, however, with right around a second left. It looked like the Rangers scored, but then they called no. They blew the whistle first because Ryan Strom's damn stick apparently pushed the pad of Cam Talbot slightly in to be enough of an effect to say that yeah, no goal. There was too much interference, even though Ryan Strum was pushed from a Minnesota Wild defenseman behind him that led him to falling originally. But again, I was frustrated with that call. I can understand a little bit about the pad being pushed in, however, just really frustrating for the game to end in that fashion. Uh, it it had. Perfect timing ran all over it for the Rangers of Tie last second. They're going to OT and hopefully get a comeback going. But Rangers lost at this one a dramatic loss for sure. When you look at the numbers throughout this game in particular, uh performance-wise, 34-27, to favor the wild in shots. Same thing with faceoffs, Power play, favored the wild one for two. Rangers were 0 for 2. Hits favor the wild 23 to 18. Blocks 16 to 8. Giveaways 10 to 5 in favor of Minnesota. But one thing that I acknowledge right away in this game which was so interesting. Steven Minnesota has been having a good year, right? But something that I've noticed a lot is how damn good they were against the Rangers. And I know it was a back-to-back, but they were just pinning the Rangers every single shot chance that Rangers tried to get in the offensive zone. They had a little to no puck movement that they were able to get off of that early two goalie. That's all. That's literally all the Rangers got. And, This was a loss that was very different than Columbus in the sense where the Rangers, of course, had a bad period in Columbus, but really looks like a game that they would have had if Guriev wasn't a net. This is a game where Igor is the only reason why the Rangers had this game even close after Mm -hmm. that two-goal lead. They were pinned to the corners left and right. The four-checking was sublime from what I saw from Minnesota. I got a lot of flashbacks to that Carolina game. This team is playing above expectations. They look deep. And they have some really young, talented players too that are starting to step up for them that they need to, given the contracts that they're eating in Ryan Suter, Zach Parise. So they're getting the young guys to step up. But yeah, huge props to Minnesota. It was a frustrating loss for the Rangers on Henrik Lundqvist's big night. But man, oh man, they just they outplayed the Rangers in a lot of ways in this game. And it was it was another little bit of a reality check. You know, the Rangers depth wise are not nearly on that level. The same reason why going into the Florida game that we'll be getting into shortly where I did not feel good going into it, knowing how deep the Florida Panthers are as a collective team versus someone like the Rangers that are so top six heavy. But, Stephen, any final comments on the Henrik Lundqvist night?
0: Yeah, um, only the second time this season, the Rangers lose two games in a row in regulation.
1: Um,
0: The first time was, I think, in December when they lost to the Predators in the Avalanche. Um, About the last second thing... um, I'm gonna be completely honest. It was the right call.
1: Um, I think it would have been an even writer call if Strom wasn't pushed.
0: I've been I've been over this video of the of the call, of the goal a couple of times. Of the no goal, sorry. Strom's stick makes contact with Talbot's pad before he's pushed, and that's the defining factor here. So the contact was already made, and at that point, it's goaltender interference you're interfering with the goaltender's ability to make a save. Whatever happens after that, the, 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 the pad being pushed into the net because Strom is is pushed from behind, that's all after the fact. The moment the stick touches the goalie's pad, it's goaltender interference. Um, it was the right call. It's unfortunate, but it was the right call. Uh, Rangers lose again when they retire a number, it's become tradition. Um, I'll say this though, um, it was an amazing night. The Rangers retired a number that we all knew was going to be up there. And um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I couldn't make it to New York for this one. Um, But I know the people that were there, they they thoroughly enjoyed it. And unfortunately, I didn't come away with a win. But, you know, you cannot win them all. Um, I do like that. Not only was just Jordan in that for the Rangers, but Cam Talbot was in that for the wild. So. You have two goalies that have played with Henrik Lundqvist, who are in this game on the ice. I think that's that's pretty cool. Um, Zuccarello scoring, uh, Ranger fans going crazy about it. Uh, you know, the Rangers fans
1: going crazy every single time they pan a Zuc on the big screen, which I thought was hilarious. It didn't yeah. matter at any point during Henrik's yeah. ceremony, just mm-hmm. for a quick second, you just hear, heard all the Zooks pouring down. Look, mm-hmm. I I love Zook more than I I love life itself. I mean, that man could get ten goals on the Rangers, and I'm gonna be you know smiling cheek to cheek like that doesn't phase yeah. me. I'm just unfortunate that the Rangers weren't able to put up a better performance after those first quick goals.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate, but you know it is what it is. And and you know they dropped to 28, 13, and four. Um yeah, yeah, I, I would probably swap the Kraken result uh for the wild result, and I'm pretty sure every Ranger would. Yeah. Because those are games you really want to win. But at the end of the day, it was a beautiful ceremony. Um, they really took their time. Um, on the same night, the Dallas Stars retired number 56
1: for Zerge Zubov, by the way. Um yes, which I will say a little I wasn't mad. I was slightly bothered that the Dallas had a, of course, have a retirement night the same night as Lundquist's. Yeah. I don't yeah. know whose was announced first, however, so I don't want to draw conclusions without having background info. I will say, however, I, it, I'm not that bothered by it, of course, knowing that was Zubov too. I mean, like, talk about it, a great Ranger that the Rangers should have never gave up. You know, it starts with him, and then it goes down the list, right? So, I mean, I'm happy for him. It sucks. I'm sure he, didn't, he wasn't at that game long because Dallas just got pistol-whipped by the Capitals. I think it was like 5 nothing last time I checked from that game. So, both teams were not able to get a favorable win that night. Well,
0: we're not the only ones who suck when we retire a number, apparently. Yeah. So, yes, um, But, yeah, you know, they lose, uh, and then they move on to Seattle on Sunday afternoon uh you know 1 p.m game at the Garden a lot of kids in attendance first game ever for the Seattle Kraken at Madison Square Garden um and you know uh the last time the the Rangers played a new team at the Garden it was Jimmy Vesey opening the scoring back in 2017 against the Vegas Golden Knights this time it was Mika Zibanejad on the power play um and it was probably one of the nicest goals of the season I don't yeah. think this goal gets enough credit uh, for how beautiful the passing was, and of course the Rangers are doing it without Adam Fox, uh, who also missed a game against Minnesota. And so you can Jacob, tell
1: that Fox has been missed over these past couple. You games. can tell,
0: you can tell. But Jacob Trouba on the power play is still making it work. You know, it's not as smooth and and slick as as it was with Fox, but it still works. Rangers get the first goal of the game after 11 minutes 46 seconds. Uh, Panarin and Truba getting the assists, and then in the second period probably also one of my favorite goals of the season but for completely different reasons you know better than anyone how vocal I have been about the fact that the Rangers absolutely suck at, at building sustained pressure in the offensive zone. I've said it so many times I should just record it and hit play every time I want to bring it up. Yep. But this goal the goal by Alexi Lafreniere in the second period. They did exactly what I've been asking for for months. The Rangers were able to set up in the Kraken zone. It was the second period where you have the long change. So you have a little bit more room to work with. And they were able to keep the puck in the zone. Uh, Seattle tried to clear it a couple of times, but the Rangers keep the puck in the zone to the point where the, the Kraken players cannot get off the ice. And I was talking to someone on Twitter during, while I was watching this, and I go, if, if the Rangers can, can score here, that's a huge statement. And then Jones gets the puck to Zibanejad, Zibanejad shoots, and on the rebound, Alexis Lafreniere, basically an empty net, gets his ninth of the season. That goal, I think, was more instrumental to the Rangers' success moving forward. Than any power play goal because that's the type of goal they've been missing so far this season.
1: No, you're up, you're 100 right, and it was so damn refreshing to see that actually transpire.
0: It was. Unfortunately, that beautiful goal resulted in a two goal lead, and we know how the Rangers deal with <laughs> two goal yep. So I was uh, sitting,
1: I was sitting at a restaurant, and thankfully to my right, perfectly, I could see the game, and as I was. Chiming in. I, I, I Going into that game, I'm like, Jerry McCann's scoring. That was the first yeah. thing that, like, yeah. thought in my yeah. head. I'm like, there's one yeah. guy that I think is a safe bet. It's him, and lo and behold, you know, take it away. <laughs>
0: Three minutes later, Jared McCann scoring the first Seattle Kraken goal ever at Madison Square Garden, assisted by Eberly and Marcus Johansson. Uh, and then third period, uh, you know, Seattle Kraken on the power play. They pull their goalie. And uh, Yanni Gord, who is actually the player I wanted from Tampa this offseason. Uh, we ended up with Goudreau, but man, I l- I would have loved to get Johnny Gord.
1: Yeah, he's, um, he's very underrated.
0: Tenth of the season, assisted by Mark Giordano and Jared McCann getting a second point of the, se- of the game. And then the Rangers, you know, in Ranger fashion, they give up a two-goal lead, and everyone's preparing for overtime. Except for one man. Actually, two, because Mika had won a face-off. And... Uh, that face off. No, actually three. Mika Zabanikat winning the face-off. Chris Kreider getting away with a weird interference there. Um yep. the how the how that was not called, I don't know. Uh, Puck goes backwards to the blue line, ends up on Keandre Miller's stick, and he rifles it. He and rifles the, talk it about and line.
1: talk about a step up for Keandre. This was huge for him because this is the same Keandre Miller that also had a breakaway in this game but unfortunately fell short. Yeah. So to yeah. see him get that that like this was a game that I I saw was beautifully said on um by Igor post game right in the sense of you know it's not for the opposing team it's about you know how many chances can they get? Like how many? How many times are they able to score? And for the Rangers, it's just about when Do they want to score? Like seeing, like the Rangers can just pick and choose when they're going to win the game. And Keandre, just beautiful snipe. That was one of the best. Uh, he's only had three goals this year, so obviously one of the best yeah. offensive performances he's put up. But. Yeah, go ahead. What was your continued take on Keandre in this one, and of course, the Rangers yeah have to win. Look,
0: that breakaway, I cursed at my screen because we needed the goal there. We yeah. really needed the goal there, uh, but he made up for it. You know, G- gets his second game-winning goal of his career. Uh, Rangers recover after two regulation losses with a win against the Seattle Kraken. And, and it boy, wasn't it. a pretty
1: one either. It
0: wasn't a pretty one, but you know, you need to win ugly games too. You know. Um, they're not all going to be 7-1 uh, uh, beatings of your opponents. You know, a 3-2 win where you score in the final minute of the, get, of the game against a Seattle Kraken team that, you know, is is going to have a top five pick in the, in the draft. Yeah, it wasn't pretty, but I'll take the three points where I can get them. Uh, Mika Zibanejad, though, uh, three points. Mika Big Zibanejad game. is heating up uh before we go into the last game I won't mention the numbers of his last game but uh the games prior to that if you look at like the last couple of weeks um he had uh so starting this year he had two three-point games two two two-point games and I think seven games with one point he has only had since since the new year Two games where he did not get on the board. It was uh, at home against the Edmonton Oilers, and the other one uh, at home against the LA Kings. Every other game this year so far, he's got either a goal or assist. So Zibanejad's heating up.
1: My only concern with someone like Zibanejad, to be quite honest with you, is how is this All Star break going to affect him? And we'll we'll get into that more shortly uh, towards yeah. the end of the episode. But it's something that I always get concerned about as a fan. When you have a couple weeks off, I know the Rangers already had a little bit of a break around the holidays, but not for necessarily just the holidays, obviously, but how are the Rangers going to respond in this second half after having that lengthy time off is going to be huge for the testament of evaluating this team down the stretch. But before we get on to the final game, just want to reiterate again, Rangers, this was, this was by all accounts, not a pretty game. Seattle who let's face it is not a good team in their first year in the league. 42 shots the rangers 24 in this one. Rangers did win faceoffs 56 44 power play. Both had a power play goal apiece. Hits right around the same 24 23. Blocks dominated by the rangers 22 to 12 and giveaways favored by Kraken 3 to 8. So to not take more of an advantage against a quite frankly piss poor team in the Kraken. They're not good. No one should think that they're going to dominate at any point, right? At to this to this point and their early franchises existence but for the Rangers to play like this, I love the fact that right after the game, Glaunt was basically pissed. He said, you know, by note, I'm disgusted. You know, this was not a good game at all. I'm glad we won, but, you know, that's the only positive out of it. So I'm really glad that the Rangers have a head coach that's able to say it, tell it like it is because I feel like that's something that gets lost at times depending on who your coach is. Um, And he was a 1,000% right. This was a game that the Rangers – Needed to play better in. Thankfully, they got the win, but by no means were they deserving of it. Really, until the very end once they got that goal by Miller. But when you talk about a game that the Rangers were deserving of win, this was probably one of the more impressive games of the season when you take it all accounts. And, yes, I know the Florida Panthers are a team that just came off of a Mm back-to-back. It was a second of a back-to-back. They dominated the same team that beat the Rangers a couple games ago by a total of eight to four with your boy Antoine Lindell being player of the week, five assists in this game. I know. I know.
0: I'm so happy. I'm so happy that he's doing well.
1: I'm so happy that he's doing well and that he didn't ball out against the Rangers. It's a win-win. It it works out for both sides, right? Marchman who had a six point game in that game in Columbus, you know, Florida was going guns a blazing this one. And, they proved to look like a team that was unbelievably deep. I saw a lot of similarities early on in this one, as I did against Carolina, the Colorado Avalanche. But thankfully, after that first period, the Rangers really started to step up and got into rhythm. There were some terrible calls that didn't go the Rangers' way. There were some things that maybe the Rangers should have been called for that weren't, so thankfully it it kind of balanced, but... It was frustrating watching this on ESPN Plus as well. Um, There was definitely a little bit of a bias going on. Not that Florida doesn't deserve praise. They absolutely do. But it felt pretty one side. Well, Igor was making stellar saves left and right. And there was like, oh, yeah. And it was stopped by Igor. And then when Spencer Knight makes one nice flashy glove save, oh, my goodness. You know, the place is about to pop off. But getting into this one, let's start with the man of the hour. The man we were just discussing, Mika's Banjad. Right in the beginning of the game, we see Ryan Reeves on that right wing. I'm thinking, what is going on, golan Lafreniere was slotted in at the right wing, uh, according to Vince McCurgliano, going into this one. So it's a little frustrating to see Revo there at first. But thankfully, it didn't seem to be a problem. Right as the Raiders bring up the rush, Mika Manajad does a nice little backhand pass, I believe. And it goes in, and it hits off the defenseman, Thankfully. And that's the first goal. You thought, okay, maybe Reeves got the goal there. No, it actually ended up going as Vanja? his 18th of the year. Right? Yes,
0: forcing. yeah,
1: it was Forzling to hit off of, I believe. Only 35 seconds into this one, folks, and Mika stays hot one way or another. But then right after that, what happens? Yes, there is best, a goal. Best
0: thing, best thing that could happen to this team is not scoring the second goal.
1: Yes, you're right. You're 1,000% right with what the pace they've been on. And you, it looks like Owen Tippett scores a goal, which at the, that point was a nice snipe. Honestly, a shot where maybe you would have liked Igor to have, but it was just a nice shot by Tippett uh, that kind of threw him off a little bit. But Galan, being the tricky man he is, challenges it for an offside, and it goes in the Rangers' favor. Only took a couple minutes, however, for the former Ranger and the Duke himself, Anthony Duclair, to snipe a beautiful read by Lieber Hayek to just completely evade Duke as soon as they went to the offensive zone. Clearly,
0: he channeled his inner Girardi there.
1: He really, way. oh my, oh my goodness. It was so bad. And this wasn't the first time that we saw Lieber Hayek just have a piss poor defensive play in this game. It, it was quite frustrating. I will say that much. I, I'm glad. I hope Gallant notices this the same way. He's noticed Nemeth not being anything more than a pylon, which is why Nemeth has been a healthy scratch in recent games. So, We'll see what happens post-All-Star break, but Hayek goes away from Duclair on the right side. I don't know why Duclair's wide open, gets a beautiful shutoff, beats Igor. That's his 19th of the year. Duclair has finally found a home in Florida. So happy for him. Love Duclair, nothing against the man. Um, assisted by Huberdeau and Barkov, the one-two punch, of course, for the Panthers. Then we get on to the second period, and the Rangers lose the tie, this being a power play goal by Sam Reinhardt. One of the more underrated players in the league, I may say. I was a big fan of Reinhardt's his past couple of years in Buffalo. Then when he went to Florida, I'm like, that is a very sneaky good pickup. That is going to benefit them a lot and quickly, and it has. Reinhardt is 16th of the year, assisted by Barkov and Ekblad. And then we have the man who was put back on the first line after Revo originally being there, not being Alexi Lafreniere. And he scores beautifully five-hole. I think it was a little bit of a backhand five-hole he got going around the net in front on Spencer Knight. That's going to be Lexi Lafreniere's 10th goal of the year, assisted by Kreider. And then we get on to the Chris Kreider show. Yes, to cap things off towards the end of that period, just around three minutes left, Chris Kreider gets his 32nd goal of the season, assisted by Stromer and Panarin. And right at the end of this, uh, end of this period, there was a non-call that should have been called, a uh, Bad play on Strom, Uh, not for him to get the penalty, but for a penalty to be issued because of what happened to him. Strom, of course, got in a fight. I really liked how he stepped up for himself in this one. Was an empty netter away, or just a goal away, I should say, from a Gordie Howe hat-trick. Ryan Strom played a good game in this one. But getting on to the third period, Chris Kreider, 33rd of the year, Power play, beautiful setup by zabanjad right in front, doorstep. Kreider's just smiling. He's like, I don't have to do anything. I'm just standing here. That's how I was when I played a couple months ago. before
0: Yeah, before we – I just want to quickly touch on that goal. Yeah. If you rewatch that goal and you – from the moment Kreider passes the puck to Jad, keep your eye on Kreider and, and notice how leisurely he positions himself next to the net. Yeah. If he rushes to the net – Spencer Knight sees it, yeah. But because he so leisurely glides towards the side of the net, not even Spencer Knight knows he's there. I know. He's he's like a silent silent assassin. assassin. Silent assassin. Exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, it was a beautiful move, beautiful pass by Zabanajet, and yeah, cried our thirty-third goal of the season, seventeenth power play goal, unbelievable
1: unbelievable and he could have had one, more. Have had one more, I, I, I know i know and look panarin got his 39th apple on that one and bread finishes things off gets an empty netter in this one on power play still towards the end of the game because florida got a penalty with like a buck 30 left or so but crides easily could have just took up the rush with panarin he said no he stopped panarin gets the empty netter. he looks back at me he's throwing his hands up in the air he's like what What are you doing? You could have added the hat trick, but that just shows you the selflessness that is Chris Kreider. He's always been that way. He has never been a selfish player. And I mean, my dad is screaming to the rooftops after every game and I don't blame him. I was screaming this pre uh, going into the season. Chris Kreider needs to be captain. All right. This is getting ridiculous, man. He's just exhibiting time and time again. He's not just having a career year, but it's the way he goes about himself. He has, the personality, the character, and overall the leadership to be the embodiment of what it means as a Rangers captain. I'm loving all these characteristics about him. And he just proving time and time again with something like this so selfless. So I really appreciate that for Kreider. I know most Ranger fans do as well. And something that really needs to be noted about this game before I go into the numbers here and then we go into uh, our final thoughts before taking questions in this episode is Igor Shosturkin and his ability with the puck. Ever since Igor landed with the Rangers, This is yeah. something that my family and I, we've always agreed. And Kreider said it post game himself. He's like, I love Hank, but that's just something yeah. that I was never yeah. comfortable well, with.
0: I was, I was going to bring this up. He goes, Exactly. I love Hank to death, but he never did this. No, and no. Hey, Hank was
1: and then, mediocre and then, at best with and and then the then he puck. Turns to
0: Zubatija, and then he turns to Zavanija and he goes, Is it a Russian thing? And Zavanija goes, And Kreider goes, That's an Igor thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, was, that was so funny. But the way Kreider described it too, and I'm so happy that a player says this for once. Igor Shishjorkin's ability to play the puck makes it harder for opponents to dump the puck. It makes it easier for our defensemen because it takes so much pressure off of the defensemen. You basically have a third defenseman out there. Yep. And then Kreider ends it with the epic line. His passing's probably better than mine. <laughs> Than mine anyway. His
1: hands, yeah. He's got better mitts than I do. Like has better hands and better passing than, than Kreider's first goal this game doesn't happen without Igor playing the puck so well. And then Strom caps it off because he gets a beautiful saucer to Kreider just tapping in. So yeah, no, Igor has not just been tremendous as a goaltender, but his ability to play the puck is truly unprecedented. And that's something where us Ranger fans, we always want I mean I always want from Hank. Like I again. Hank was the king, but the one thing he was not superior at was playing the puck. That That's oh, always been the case. Let's, my my let's family and honest. I, we would always joke about it, be like, why, why is this the one? Hank can literally do a header of a slap shot coming his way because he's showing his inner soccer self, but he can't actually pass the puck the same way let's, that you pass the soccer ball. I don't understand it.
0: <laughs> let's be honest. Henrik Lundqvist is terrible playing the puck. Always has been.
1: No, it's so it's just so weird, but it's so not it's so refreshing to have a goaltender that actually knows what the hell to do with it when he's yeah. actually by him. Like Igor, I mean, one on one, I'm not look, if Igor is matched up with an opposing player, they're both going after the puck. By God, I'm taking Igor nine out of ten times. At least, like you know that you have a very good chance of him getting that puck away or gaining a nice play to get into the offensive zone for the Rangers, one way or another. Yeah. So To recap things again statistically in this matchup, the Rangers outside of that first period really came together and was one of their better wins of the season solely based on their opponent. I'm not going to put too much stock in the Panthers playing the night before because they just simply wiped the floor with Columbus. So for the Rangers to do what they did here was huge in my mind. I think it was absolutely ginormous, especially after having a slow start Panthers outshot the Rangers only by one 36 to 35. The Rangers got a lot of offensive opportunities, um, Faceoffs favor the Panthers 55 to 45 power play dominated by the Rangers. That was the X factor three out of five to the Panthers. One out of three hits dominated by the Rangers too. 38 to 25 blocks right around the same 16 to 14 favoring the Panthers and giveaways tied a piece at nine. So in a nutshell out of this game, things that really stood out to me, obviously Chris Kreider obviously make his advantage out obviously Artemi Panarin, who I, I was I was hoping Panarin was going to go up against Bobrovsky because I love that friendship and he normally plays well against him, but he still did the same against Spencer Knight in this one. Had a very good outing, and when you look at the numbers overall for the Rangers over these past four games, it's the big three, right? It's Panarin, seven points in these past four games, two goals and five assists. It's Mika, seven points in these past four games, three goals, four assists. It's Kreidz, four points in these past three game uh, four games. Even though that, yes, he had a little bit. Up until this game, he was on a little I'm bit of he was. I wouldn't even say it was a big it wasn't even a slump. It was just like kind of a normal Kreider. Like he was not going to score every game. And the big thing to him with him though is that when he doesn't score, a lot of times Crides really does look like he's out of place. Like, I don't know. There's something about him when he's off, he's really off, right? And thankfully, that didn't last more than a couple games because he still had three goals, one assist for four points over these past four. Jacob Truba. Three points over these past four games. Keandre Miller with a clutch goal for the game winner, who I think has been playing far better over these past couple of games than he was the week prior. Lieber Hayek, who I think is struggling mightily. Is there is there any more remarks you'd like to give on Hayek and really what you think might be next for the Rangers with him? Because you'd have to think lot has seen enough of him by now to know that yeah, we should probably try to consider Niels again. I know that young deep pairs aren't the best thing to always commit to, but at, still better yeah, than Hayek. Exactly. Like I, I'm still taking Jones, Niels, Schneider any day of the week over the oh, Hayek's right. of the world, over the Nemeths. And Tonorty thankfully, team, isn't even a thought anymore.
0: Look, teams do not win cups when they have millions in cap penalties and when they have AHL caliber defensemen on the ice. This season the Rangers have both. They have four million in cap penalties. And they they continuously trot out guys like Tenorti, Nemeth, and Hayek, and it's just it's it's not gonna it's just when those players are on the team, you're not gonna win. We saw the same thing with Stu Bickle in 2012.
1: Yes, we did. the The forward end defenseman Stu Bickle. That is
0: Stu Bickle, who played three minutes and I think 47 seconds in a triple overtime game.
1: Oh my God. That was so peak Tortorella. Yes. Why he was trying even, to do his best Mike Keenan impression, but instead of Leech, it was Snoop Bickle. Why <laughs> even blame him? And I feel the
0: same <laughs> way about Hayek. I feel the same way about Nemeth and Tonardi. It's just, yep. I, I said anything, everything I want to say about this, you know, it's just a waste of breath at this point to, to talk about it even further. But before we get into the Q and a, uh, quick little observation that uh, I, I, I saw this like a year ago or something, so I shared it during the uh, Lunquist retirement night. Henrik Lunquist has more points in the NHL than his brother Joel, even though
1: he's a goalie. Yep, yep. I knew that.
0: Henrik Lunquist leads all Ranger goalies in points with 27. Hmm. You want to guess who's, who's second with 25?
1: For Ranger goalies? Yep. Points. Is it someone that's prominent? Is he like one of the more prominent Ranger goaltenders? Oh, he's
0: he a prominent Ranger goalie, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, played, he played for about a decade, yeah.
1: Richter?
0: No, it's not Richter. Richter is third with 11 points.
1: And it's not JD.
0: JD has five. Okay,
1: and uh, there's one goaltender I'm thinking of then. Is it Van Biesbroek?
0: There you go. Van Beesbroek with 25 wow. goals. with 8. Uh, then there's John Davidson, Glenn Healy, and Steven Weeks with 5. Then Bob Froze and Alexander Georgiev with 4. Um, and then a bunch of other goalies with like 3 points, 2 points, and 1 point. But yeah, um, for all his lack of puck uh, puck-moving ability... Henry Funk was still 27 points in his career as a goal. Yeah, he's,
1: he's still the cane, right? Uh, Most of that. those
0: assists were probably him just settling the puck behind the net.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it just and means
0: it.
1: <laughs> the hole or
0: something where McDonough skated up the ice, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, hey, hey it doesn't matter yeah, how it can. happens. Yeah, You know, just matters if it happens, right? Um, Imagine but, a
0: second frame with, a, with, with the goal pucks of those 27 points.
1: Yep. <laughs> um two things two things to touch on briefly here. Um one just want to say again I know I mentioned it earlier but Laffrenier taking advantage I think is huge. I think this is a nice yeah. confidence boost for him going into the All-Star break. Um Keep and also first
0: line. line. Keep him on that first line.
1: Keep him on that first and Laffy said that he views he he of course is talented enough for if he needs to permanently be moved to the right wing. He's comfortable doing it. So yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how Gallant's mm-hmm. mindset is and what he comes up with post-all-star break and, and also Kako.
0: When Kako you know, comes back, put him back with Panarin and Strong yeah. where he had the best stretch of the season.
1: Let that be in top seven.
0: For the love of God, can we put Dryden Hunt back in the bottom six where he belongs?
1: Yes, 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 yes.
0: Nothing against Dryden Hunt, but he's just not top six material.
1: Just bring depth to this like I'm to the point. Or third line wise, I genuinely wouldn't be bothered if you have Goudreau centering heat a lot left. I think he on the wings better. And then you either have a gochier there, which I think is perfectly fine. I wouldn't even be upset if you threw Revo in there every once in a while. I don't think that that would be a, a detriment to success. But Gauthier, because Gauthier does literally everything but score. He actually has some of the worst numbers in all the HL this year and finishing ability. It's kind of funny. Like, he has everything but draws, goal scoring. The guy draws penalties. Yeah.
0: And and that's that's something that's not always noticed by fans. But the guy draws penalties that we score. on.
1: Yep. Uh, same, same thing that didn't get noticed during Brendan Lemieux's time with the Rangers. Lemieux mm-hmm. actually drew quite a bit of penalties during his short stint here. And that was something that, again, you don't acknowledge much because it's not a fancy stat, well, but it's important.
0: I went over those numbers of Lemieux. Um, most of those drawn penalties are either offsetting penalties or fighting majors. Okay. So he has – on NHL, you can go to the stats page and you can uh, filter on penalties drawn and penalties taken. If you look at the total for last season, the penalties drawn and penalties taken for Lemieux is dead even.
1: Oh, okay. Where I
0: think Gauthier's penalties drawn versus penalties taken was, I think, a plus five or plus six. Gotcha. Um, Gauthier draws penalties where the Rangers actually end up with a power play and where they actually score on the power play.
1: And it's important when you look at Gauthier, his ability, because – He's nothing short of just a, high, a big bodied high flyer. You know, he's an unbelievably skilled athlete. So naturally you're going to have this guy just swinging by you around the net. Yeah. You might get a hooking or a slashing call in doing mm. so. So that like happened,
0: yeah, last night, that,
1: that yep. ended up on the power play in the third period. Exactly. So he, he honestly does. He's always given me similarities of Kreider. Now it's just going to be the matter of rounding out his raw game. You know, he's a 2016 yeah. first round pick, you know, he's in his mid twenties. Now, when is it all going to come together? and don't get me wrong, this is a player that's always been sheltered playing time throughout his career, even though, yes, you have to earn it. Point being is that the athleticism has always been there with Gautier. It's really just about rounding things out and maybe getting a little bit more simplistic. Like, he's someone that he's gained at least one breakaway a game, you know, very Carl uh, Haglund-esque. But uh, like Haglund, a lot of times has struggled to bury, you know? Like, it's those things that he needs to round out. I I think that there's still potential for him. I like him in this Rangers lineup. I think that he gives you a spark that, for by all means, is light years ahead of a Dryden Hunt. Not to single out Dryden Hunt, but you get where I'm going with this. He just gives you more of a flash of what potentially could be something in the game versus just nothing at all, just being a placeholder. So, uh, you know, in a nutshell, I think Gauthier, there's more to be had there. I think he's still a work in progress, obviously, but he definitely has the ability to... He's just very raw on his hands. That's the biggest thing. If maybe Kreider can give him some pointers too on just crashing the net, but knowing how to be a little bit more subtle, you know, that silent assassin, I feel like Goethe, you kind of hear him from a mile away coming in at you a little bit of a difference, right? So something that happens with maturity in the game of the NHL. And, you know, hopefully that's something that happens with him too. Um, And final thing I want to get into here is, as you mentioned earlier, taxi squad elimination. So for those that don't know, of course, we will not have a taxi squad after the All-Star break because players that are not showing symptoms um, that are are asymptomatic are not going to be tested. Um, So we're not going to see as many players out, uh, hopefully, you know, on the COVID list and stuff like that. So all the Rangers that were currently there, that being, you know, Brunzinski and Niels and plenty of other players, Morgan Barron, et cetera, They're all down. That's because the All-Star break. No one should be phased by that. Uh, Barron is someone who I think has played exceptionally well at times. I expect him back with the team, hopefully. Um, Niels is going to be an interesting factor as to what Lieber Hayek's future is going to be post-All-Star break. But all in all, don't be phased by them being sent down. The obvious reason is because we're in this All-Star break.
0: Yeah, and and during the All-Star break, of course, uh, the Hartford Wolfpack is still playing. Yep. So they're playing tonight against the Hershey Bears. And I think on the weekend they play the Providence Bruins and the Springfield Thunderbirds. I think I okay. don't know the other team I'm blanking on, but I think they played three games this week. So it makes sense for those players to go back to Hartford get some get some minutes in. Um, and yeah, uh, Schneider and and uh, Jones are staying on the team on paper, so as they um, should, as they should, but. I mean, I wouldn't be totally opposed to sending them to Hartford for a week.
1: I wouldn't be opposed to it either, but you could tell that the Rangers have more commitment with them than yeah. deals, that they just want to make sure that they're just, you know, stampat enjoy this break. You know, you're with us right now. So we we don't want you to think otherwise, maybe.
0: All right. You ready for some questions?
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. So if you're watching this during the live stream, listening on YouTube, we're going to be doing our open QA now for the next couple minutes. So if you guys have any comments, questions, or concerns for the next five, 10 minutes, we'll make sure to answer them. Um, and outside of that, thank you guys all so much for being here. If you're listening wherever you hear your podcast, please leave a nice review. You guys do somehow, some way, enjoy this Rangers podcast. Myself, Wardy, alongside Stat Boy Steven. You guys probably know us from either Twitter, or especially for me, for my other YouTube channel, that's where I'm known for wordy as Rorty NYM covering the New York Mets. Um, but yeah, ask away any questions you guys got, and then we will round things out for this episode 47 of Rangers Review. Um, let's see. Good question here from Mike says, Hey, Steven, I've seen you say Othman can play the right wing. Where have you seen him play the right wing? I have tried to find games. I've not seen any so far, says Mike.
0: Okay, well, um he's played on the right wing when he was with the don mills flyers in um the under 16 uh, under 16 level uh played a couple of games on the right wing for canada's junior teams um and when you watch the uh flint firebirds he's always listed as a left wing but occasionally depending on where the face off is on which dot they have to face off uh he starts on the right so he plays on a line in Flint that's very fluid. It's not a, it's not a, a uh, it's a very dynamic line. It's not very static where the left wing is always on the left and the right wing is always on the right. Um, but yeah, I spoke to people close to Brennan Hoffman to, to confirm that. And they said, yeah, he's, he has experience playing on the right wing and he has no problem there at all. Like Unlike a guy like Will Cooley, who has indicated that he's uncomfortable playing on the right side, because especially defensively, when you're on the opposite side, you defend with your backhand and not every player is comfortable uh, is comfortable in that position. Uh, but when it comes to Hoffman and also Brad Burrard, by the way, um, that's not a concern.
1: Yeah. Good good breakdown, Steven. Appreciate that. So that, that way Mike knows now. David, David Glazer says, This team has too many third-line players to go far in the playoffs. Can the team make a deal for someone like Hurdle? Big body with speed. Can number 15 develop into a, a terrific player? Uh, Steven, I'll speak for both of us because I know that you don't like to talk about <laughs> some of these uh, trade trade ideas before they essentially come to fruition. Um, but in a nutshell, would Hurdle benefit this team? Absolutely. Is he someone that really makes sense for them for the Rangers right now? Based on value, probably not for what the Rangers would have to cough up to get him and what the Rangers' current status is with Ryan Strom. I will be pretty surprised if the Rangers found themselves landing a Tomas hurdle just because the Rangers have already been in extension talks with Ryan Strom. As it is, you have two players that, you know, are similar in the sense that they're both deserving of being, you know, that second line centerman. Um, I, I would find it hard to believe that hurdle would be pushed to the third line. Would it add depth to this team? Would the Rangers be a far greater player? team in my mind for playoffs absolutely i mean your team gets a million times deeper when you bring someone like hurdle in but do i think that's something the rangers are going to prioritize no i do not i i don't think i think the rangers have had interest in hurdle i don't think he's someone that will be prioritized however knowing that he is on a pretty price point right now uh but to also answer your question can 15 develop into a terrific player uh that being Gauthier. uh Terrific. Uh, I know that's a loose term. I I think it depends on who you talk to. I think, in just being an effective top nine forward, I think he definitely has the potential there. Yes.
0: Can he? I don't know. How old is Julian Gautier now?
1: He's 24, 25 at least.
0: Matt Zuccarello didn't become an NHL regular until he was 26. And how old was Panarin?
1: Like 23, 24?
0: Uh, Panarin came over to the NHL in 2015. Uh, He was born in 91, so he was almost 24.
1: Yeah, Gauthier is uh, 25 in October.
0: Okay, well, time's ticking, you know, uh, but look, I'm not expecting him to become a top-line player in the league. Yeah. If he can round out his game and pot some goals and play the same type of hockey that he does now, he can be a very valuable third-line player. I'm yeah. not, I'm, not, I'm not expecting miracles out of the, out of the kid. I just want him to score some more goals and then I'm happy.
1: Agreed. Uh, I think he's someone that, you know, he's very easy to root for um and I definitely want the Rangers to get something out of that Joey Keane trade. Now Joey hasn't had much of an impact for Carolina yet, but I think that just says a lot more on their defensive depth than it does his play. Um but yeah, I thought that was a trade that made sense for both times. Both teams at the time, I stand by that. And he's someone that I I really do think that there's potential in not giving up on too soon. Gautier is a player that I could see thriving in a separate organization, which is unfortunate. I want the Rangers to actually continue working on development of young talent. And Gautier fits that mold. We may have not drafted him, but he's a player that we're trying to get the most out of right now. So by all means, continue trying to make that work. Um, Here's a good comment. From Phillips says, with Fox coming back, would leaving our top four as they were pre-injuring, having Jones with Schneider be our top, uh, bottom pair make any sense? Personally, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. To be quite honest, I think what do you have to lose at this point from what we've seen with fellow left-handed defensemen, Right? Well, I mean, Gallant
0: says that he's uncomfortable playing two rookies on the same.
1: I know he's uncomfortable, but come on, some something put push has to. I mean, was. Let me put it this way. Is Gallant still at the same comfortability level with Nemeth, with Tenorti like he was in the beginning of the season, so, which okay, is so why the question, both of those players yeah. aren't in the lineup?
0: The question here is, would it make any sense? Are you asking us what is going to happen or what you what we want to happen? Because we're talking about two different
1: things then. I think, I think he's saying, you know, what we want to happen. Does it make well, sense to us?
0: Okay, so what I want to happen is, yes, for Schneider and Jones to stay on the team. Because... I will play, listen, I would play Matthew Robertson over Libra Hayek and Patrick Nemeth. Yeah. <laughs> if if you ask me to put together a pairings for the Rangers, you know what? Let's do it. First pairing, Lindgren Fox. Second pairing, Miller Truba. Third pairing, uh, Joan Schneider. Fourth pairing uh, would be Robertson Lunquist. Fifth pairing, Reunan and Skinner, uh, sixth pairing. Now you're getting in. Hayek, nemeth, tenori, bateto territory. So we have 10 defensemen that I would pick over Nemeth, Tenorti, and Hayek. And I'm not even exaggerating.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't disagree with you. You you and I have been on that same page for a while now. Whether that holds true in the end, you know, we'll see. But I will say that I do real I genuinely appreciate how Golan has not been stubborn to the same extent like what we saw with a David Quinn and with some other former coaches. Like he, You can tell that at least throughout the season, he is getting somewhat of an understanding of what's working and what isn't. It's not perfect by any stretch. There's definitely things that us fans have been bothered by, whether it's lineup configurations or just who's in the lineup, who's not. But something like Nemeth, knowing he's on a three-year contract, to realize this soon that this is the guy that is not going to lead us to success right away... Is something that I really appreciate because that's the same deal that you might see Nemeth play every single game of the season still, regardless on his performance, right? And even with Tenorti to a certain extent. Yes, I know that he's a seventh defenseman at best, but point being is that it didn't take long, too long to actually realize that yeah, this guy isn't working. Hayek, I think, is finding himself down that same slippery slope, to be quite honest with you. Um And I think as long as Schneider continues to play the way that he has, which I think has been very solid, not overwhelming at all, nothing crazy on the pro or the cons, just solid, solid defensive play from a rookie uh, this early in his career. Jones, I think, has had some very – impressive games i think he's had some games that have been underwhelming but i also think that goes in hand with his d partner <laughs> libra hayek if i'm if i'm being honest here and then Niels is kind of that guy that's looming when Niels has it looks good in some games i think some games he looked underwhelming kind you know i think he's a little just below uh schneider right now from what we're seeing and what galan actually wants but all guys that i do think are capable of gain time and rightfully so because that's your future defensively right At some point, you have to realize, okay, even if they're going to have their struggles, you rather your struggles be with your young guys that are supposed to be your core defensemen going forward versus your placeholders. That's the big thing that has always stood out about me. If you're going to allow a veteran to have struggles on almost a nightly basis and keep them in this damn lineup, why can't you do the same for players that are supposed to be here and develop for the years going forward? That's what always stood out about me. Look, if that veteran is an X-factor and he gives you a better chance to win every night, then okay. You know, I understand it. I might want the younger players to get more playing time, but I understand why you don't have them in the lineup yet because you're pushing playoffs and you have playoff caliber players. We aren't
0: talking about about Mark Giordano here. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: If we have Mark Giordano taking away ice time from from Zach Jones, you won't hear any complaints from me exactly i would i would have given up a first round pick and more to get matthias Ekholm home last summer because if you're going to acquire a veteran defenseman to help your pro, your prospects transition into life in the nhl go for one that actually contributes don't go dumpster diving in free agency
1: no anyway. you're, i mean you're 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 100% right it's It's frustrating, but again, in a nutshell, to to stop harping on this now, I'm happy with what Gallant has proven this year to show his ability to adjust. I think that's something that's so hard, especially for a veteran coach. They always have a stubbornness to them just because they feel, you know, it's this way or the highway, right? He's proving rather quickly, only halfway through a season, his ability to understand that changes need to be made. Whether they stay long or short, Again, that varies on the situation. But all in all, I appreciate that about him, along with plenty of things. And shout out to Turk, getting his 300th NHL win as a head coach in that victory over the Panthers. So very happy for Golan as well in that front. But we'll be getting on to – Against his former team. Against his former team. And it was hilarious because post-game he was asked, why did he put Revo on the top line? His response was – you know to just to just bother them a little bit, bother the Panthers, kind of send a message, had them on their toes a little bit to Huberdeau and Barkov that he knows very well. You know I like that. You know not that it, it it's going to result in you know great offensive success right away. Thankfully the Rangers scored 30, 35 seconds of the game, but it's nice knowing that his mindset like there there's there's justifiable reasons behind what he's doing. So to have Reeves in there in the beginning, then to put Laffy in shortly after. I'm okay with that. Like, that's okay. Like those are like quick in-game adjustments. That's like, okay, I understand, you know, maybe, maybe it's not going to be groundbreaking, but there was some type of thought process behind that, which again, I appreciate about him, but Joey, what a good comment here. And this will wrap up our Q and a for today's episode. How would he feel about the Rangers going after Brock Besser? He apparently is not an untouchable. and seems like he needs a fresh start somewhere. Interesting. that we're talking about a Canuck that is not named JT Miller, right? Besser is someone where, you look at his career. You look at his age. He's favorable in that front. He's only 24. He's an RFA after the year. Contract wise, that's that's the big thing. Uh, you know, how much is he going to drop or stay the same? Because he's at a base right now of just under six mil after this season. Is that something the Rangers can afford? Hell no. Okay, would he definitely help fit the mold for you at the right wing position? You know, on the wing, yes but this again goes and contradicts the Buchnevich parting ways on a multi-year deal with someone mm-hmm. that's still young. And that is again, having a little bit of a down year, but so is Vancouver 24 points in four games. Besser has been a little inconsistent in goal scoring these past couple of years, years, um, really since, you know, the pandemic started, but still is someone that is young, has plenty of upside, has a great shot. Um, Besser is someone that I don't see the Rangers going after. I think his value is still going to be extraordinarily high. And, while I would love the Rangers to get young guys that can help the, this core group. Again, my concern is how are you going to be able to afford them? How are you going to be able yeah. to keep them in this top six? When you're trying to focus on the development of Alexi Lafreniere of Capo Caco. And to a lesser degree going into the season, that wasn't part the Bucinavich trade reasoning. Vitali Krasov up until everything happened. Like many of us believe that Vitali was going to be top nine player for the Rangers this year. And look at what happened. So point being is the Rangers, I think, through and through need to focus on their development if they're looking at acquiring young forwards for their top six. Not that Besser would be a detriment to the team, but if you look at the context of everything with the contract, what he's going to be looking for on a multi-year deal, and what the Rangers need to do on focusing on their own in-house development, I think that's enough to say that, yeah, I would prefer if the Rangers stand pat and just keep pushing through with what they currently have top six wise. And then bottom six is where, you know, I'm, in, I'm not against our Terry Lekkonen that the Rangers have shown interest in among some other players. So Steven, any final uh, comments on Besser before we wrap things up?
0: I would hate for Chris Drury to give up a bigger package for a worse player to replace Bridge
1: Yes. Yes.
0: I'll, that's all I'll say about the winger position if you're going to give up a big package for a young player go for a guy like Rope Hintz or even though I, I'm not a fan, Dylan Larkin. go for if, if, you're, if you're deciding to move on from Ryan Strom and you're going to use your assets to get better go for a guy that is 22 23 years old that Can help you at center that plays a good defensive game. It sucks so much that the Rangers were not in a position to draft Anton Lundell because he fits this team like a
1: glove. He's 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 the future selkie winner that the Rangers have desperately been needing over these years. Yeah, when you look at the depth center-wise, the Rangers have not had that guy. They have they haven't had a balanced center like that since Messier.
0: The Florida Panthers might be the first team to have two selkie candidates. On the same team, yeah, in a long time,
1: yep. And it won't be this, this is only the first of many years where we're, we're going to be hearing that. And good for them. The I way, mean, I think Lundell's a perfect fit there. I love that he gets to work behind Barkov. I, I know I'm I love like, that finish connection, I think it's really cool.
0: Anton Lindell was snubbed for the all rookie team, uh, yeah, rookie all-rookie
1: team. He was, yep.
0: Um, my Calder vote is still more at Cider. But I'm leaning towards Lundell over Lucas Raymond now for, for that second spot in the caller voting.
1: I think if Raymond has a hot second half, I'm probably favoring Raymond solely because of the fact of when you look at what's around him. Not that Detroit isn't talented, but the Panthers are just a deeper, a better structured team. Okay. But- okay. So here's, a different,
0: here's an interesting discussion then. Does playing on a better team hurt you or not as a young player? Because for the last two years, all I've heard Ranger fans complain about is that the reason Lafreniere and Kako are not producing is because they play on a good team and they have better players in front of them. Anton Lindell was playing on the third line in Florida, and he's putting up the same numbers as Lucas Raymond. Plus, he plays a better defensive game. Plus, he starts 60% of his shifts in the defensive zone.
1: I, I agree in the notion that being on a better team is, of course, better for a young talent. As long as they aren't given sheltered minutes. As as long long as the
0: Rangers are on.
1: Yeah, literally. Quite because this is this is a
0: better team, it benefits you as long as that team's not the Rangers. Yeah, there you go.
1: Rangers are an outlier because they are that same team that's given Alexi Lafreniers less minutes than any other first overall pick in how long? Like you know what that context is important to look at.
0: I'll say one thing about Lafreniere. No one can make the argument that the reason Lafreniere is getting is not getting enough minutes is because we we have too many good players ahead of him. When uh-huh. you consistently play Barkley, Goudreau, as Semi Blay and Dryden Hunt in the top six,
1: yeah, it's preference is what. I'm it. sorry,
0: it took it took injuries to Philip Heddle, Capo Carco and Semi Blay at the same time for Lafreniere to get another look in the top six. And exactly. now, for the second time in his career, he has back to back games for the goal. Yep. There's no reason Dryden Hunt or Barkley Goudreau should be in the top six. And when Philip Hedel comes back, he can be a winger on the third
1: line. I will give a tip of the cap to Goudreau, however. He has been playing some good hockey.
0: Goudreau is basically our new Jesper Fast.
1: Yes. A, That's exactly player. what he is. The yep. bottom
0: player who. When you run into problems with injuries or maybe a suspension, you can temporarily put him in your top six, and it won't hurt you.
1: Correct. But having him like all year long is where you're going to see your your obvious ups and downs yeah. with him. So as long as as long as you're pretty strategic about when you utilize him, he's a good get. Oh. I, I oh, like. And,
0: and uh, now that we're talking about bottom six players that we're playing in the top six, special thanks to Colin Blackwell for not scoring on Sunday.
1: I know that, that that was that was brave of him. It really was.
0: <laughs> anyway, do you have any more questions before we wrap it up?
1: No, no, I think that's it. Um the one thing that I just want to briefly touch on uh because the next time we talk probably won't be until after the All-Star break is finished, my guess, maybe even after a couple of games. So we'll go with the notion that the Rangers will play a couple of games before we talk again. Um yep. until unless we change things up, which of course can happen, it's not a big deal. But the upcoming schedule for the Rangers, again, they have, you know, they're they are off now until the fifteenth of February, and that is going to be against the Boston Bruins. Then they have the 17th of February against the Detroit Red Wings, both games at home. Then they come and they play Ottawa in Ottawa on the 20th. And then they have quite the break until they play the Capitals end. So my guess right now, based on how this schedule is. To, i would Preview. say I yeah i would probably say we won't talk again until the 20, 22nd
0: 23rd yeah
1: yeah yeah i would say the twenty. i would say yeah the 20 let's eye the 21st or the 22nd because if we can eliminate recording the same day or even at times before a game do it because that way it gives people longevity when they're listening because that's something that i have noticed you know and i don't blame them like i i enjoy podcasts too but if you're going to listen to a pod um and maybe you miss it and you have to listen to it the next day a game already happened you're kind of like oh like what's the point like this isn't the latest thing that's happening with the team so mm-hmm. i i don't blame anyone that that feels that way because I, I find myself that same category for all sports so yeah. we'll try to be a little bit better at that it's a little hard at times given our schedules but we'll try to make that happen so as of now book us for the week of the 21st is when we'll be back recording um until then i hope that everyone has a fantastic next couple weeks during this all-star break oh, i know we're not doing predictions we will do predictions i'm just, oh, okay. just telling everyone okay break steven <laughs> <laughs> we got to go over number 47 too so no so prediction wise next three games for the rangers 15th 17th and 20th boston detroit and ottawa because i am the champion and rightfully so I'm going to go for no, these. no, no, no.
0: You don't have to rub it in with, with I'm not rubbing
1: it in. I'm not rubbing it in. We, do, you know what we need to do though? We need to chip in and actually get a belt made, like so. Oh, we, yeah, we, we should. So we both like have one at our houses, but we, we only can only make it public as if. Yeah, and then the winner can wear it, and we we can get the Rangers review logo on it because it's a nice circle. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. See, I'm, I'm big brain thinking right now. Um, but yeah. over these next three games. Boston, Detroit, Ottawa. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for this one two oh and one. Two
0: oh and one.
1: And over those games, I'm going to say that the Rangers score ten. you always find a way
0: to to pick the number that i have in my head it's
1: funny because whenever you get first choice that's exactly what happens to me so it's like we're both thinking the same thing
0: we're really good at this then
1: yeah yeah
0: or equally bad
1: yes just make sure you document it because it's going to be a while until we we talk again
0: i'm going to go with nine goals then i will leave it here on my monitor
1: that leaves us with one more thing to do Number
0: forty-seven. Number forty-seven. How many can you name before we uh before we go over it? Uh,
1: there's at least two.
0: Oh, uh, there's one this season. If you don't get that one, I'm going no. To I go.
1: know. No. More. Morgan Barons, the obvious one. Yeah. yeah the Barron. other one that's obvious to me because he popped in my head right away, which is funny because I think I've talked about him before, or maybe I just guessed him when I was wrong. The numbers, Stephen camper I know he's definitely one. Yes. Yes.
0: I did not expect you to get that one.
1: And uh, there's definitely one more player that either like word in preseason or didn't wear it long, And I don't, I can't yeah. think of. NHL I can't. Debut. debut. Oh, shit. Yeah. I'm not. I don't. There's definitely, there's definitely a player that changes number. I don't know okay. who it is, though.
0: I'm going to name them uh, from Rose re- recent uh, backwards. Okay. Morgan Barron. Steven Campher, JT Miller.
1: Oh, that's probably it then. Yeah. uh,
0: Mike Green. Wait, Mike
1: Green? That's a different Mike Green. Okay, not defense, but Mike Green, I was going to say. Hold on. I just want to make
0: sure I get this right. This is a different. Yeah, this is Mike Green that played a total of 24 NHL games. Uh, 11 as a Florida Panther and 13 as a New York Ranger. Uh, One goal, three assists in his career.
1: What a stud. Love that. <laughs>
0: As a center, by the way. So. Yeah. Oh wow. So not the Mike Green that we all know. Um,
1: Someone said in the chat, Eminger was he number forty-seven?
0: No, it's yeah. forty-four. Oh okay. Eminger was forty-four. Yeah. Um, talk about reliable seventh defenseman, Steve Eminger. That's the type of guy we need behind our behind our rookies. Anyway, uh, to continue the list of numbers forty-seven, Barrett Heiston, and then Rich pylon pylon it's probably pylon because it's, it's French Canadian uh Mark Janssen's in 1989 Steve Nemeth not related to uh to Patrick Nemeth
1: I would hope not
0: and the first Ranger to ever wear number 47 in the 1986-87 season uh is New York Islanders first round pick Pat Price wow okay made for the Islanders the edmonton oilers the pittsburgh penguins the quebec nordiques then the new york rangers and finished his career with the minnesota north stars in
1: 1988.
0: made a total of 726
1: nhl games at least he got to finish out his career with one of the most simply beautiful jerseys the NHL has seen oh yes north stars are so so sick the north
0: star jerseys are epic and um I'm glad that with their reverse retro, the Minnesota Wild went with the North North Star theme, at least the car scheme.
1: Yeah did did he play with Madonna, or no?
0: Uh, probably late eighties. Let me see.
1: Um, his only wait—he season... didn't play with David Quinn, did he? Didn't Quinn get drafted by the North Stars? Uh, right.
0: I thought no, I thought he, Quinn. Got I don't drafted. think Quinn ever played in the NHL. I don't uh, think he did. Uh, but I know he got no. trapped by them. He was a first. Madonna, he didn't play with Madano. He did play with Mitch Messier. I didn't know that know. was Mitch. Okay. okay. Um, some players on that team: Dino Ciccarelli, Brian Bellows, Brian McClellan, Brian Lawton. A lot of Brian's on this team. <laughs> Neil Broughton, Dave Archibald, Rob Brook, Scott Bukestad, father of Nick Bukestad.
1: I was gonna say that's a, that's a. Per- oh, how fit! Oh, that makes perfect sense. Minnesota North Stars, Bukestad, and then of course Bukestad, the latest one, has been Minnesota from Minnesota, played at University of Minnesota for college. It's all yeah. connecting. All right. I'll we can get out a fun stat. Listen,
0: listen, hockey, hockey is out of all the sports I follow, it's probably in the smallest world.
1: Because yeah, there are a lot of interconnections for sure. There right? are a lot of familiar
0: connect, familiarities, you know, family connections. Um but yeah, um, Number 47, um, Morgan Barron, the latest one.
1: Yep. We'll see if he sticks with that number. That's something I'm a little intrigued to see if he's going to stay with 47 or not.
0: Well, he plays, he switched to number 27 in Hartford. Okay. But that number is taken by Nils Lundqvist at the moment, who plays with number 13 in Hartford.
1: Maybe he'll switch to 72 and Heedle gets inevitably traded. I don't know.
0: That's, that's possible. That or. Cool. Um, or he just picks a completely different number. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. No, you're um, right. Go with 17 when Kevin Rooney leaves.
1: <laughs> you're not, you're not wrong. It's possible. So I don't well, want
0: Rooney to leave. By the way, I don't, I don't
1: want I don't want Rooney to leave either. I'm just saying. This, you know, we're just. This we're may just sound weird, in here.
0: this may sound weird, but I need a Kevin Rooney jersey in my collection.
1: I I don't think that's weird. I know you like him. Kevin
0: Rooney is low key my one of my favorite ranges on this team and it's mainly because of the way he was mocking tom wilson yeah he's a, he a legend forever
1: you gotta to frame it. you gotta frame that on your wall so uh, you, you need to get a laminated photo of him with like well you gotta get it of him when he's on the bench but still far enough where you see wilson looking at him so like it, it has to be like you gotta do I, need that. Get,
0: I need to get that signed by kevin rooney too yeah. Imagine, imagine walking up to him with like this big ass photo of him mocking Tom Wilson, and handing oh, him a marker.
1: Just, just, just tell your fiance next time yeah, she goes to the yeah. game because she's probably going to one soon. Do exactly that and have it get signed for you. Say to yeah. Steven.
0: <laughs> she took a picture uh, last night with Mika Zibanejad, and someone I saw commented, someone commented on her tweet, "Who has the better flow?" So I responded by saying, "Mika." <laughs>
1: That, that that's a respectable person to get out by However, I'm
0: sure she'll forgive me and she might even agree with me so
1: yes that, that's true but that's going to do it for this episode of rangers view thank you guys so much for listening whether you're live or watching on replay here on youtube wherever you get your podcast we really appreciate this was episode 47 we'll be back really in two to three weeks from now until after the rangers play a couple more games post all-star break We'll see how they do. But more than anything, thank you guys all so much for watching and listening. We'll talk to you soon. And, Stephen, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.